0: Awesome, thank you, what a warm welcome, why don't you grab a seat, and uh, as you can see we are back, and it's a great pleasure to be home, and we brought some Danish winter weather with us, uh, which is awesome, That uh, yeah, great to be here, and uh, if you don't know, we've been away for four, well, three and a half months, and uh, just an awesome time away, great opportunity teaching in a Bible college uh, in Denmark, which was an interesting experience. Just imagine, imagine what it's like. So it's a live-in Bible college. All the students live there, and then they get fed in the dining room. It's all Danish, so it's all beautifully furnished and well-lit and beautiful wooden floors and candles. It's a beautiful spot, right? And uh, so they have to wake up. They have to go downstairs to the morning tea, to the, to the dining room for breakfast. Then they have to walk back to their room to brush their teeth, hopefully. And then they have to come to class when I'm teaching, where I'm teaching, right? and they were turning up late. <laughs> so you can imagine what it was like on day two. Uh, yeah, yeah, So I fixed that by giving lollies to people who arrived on time, because there's a sugar tax in Denmark and they don't get enough lollies. Uh, so they were all racing there on time after that. But it was a great privilege to be here. is just gonna share some stuff.
1: Oh, you could do your right, first. Oh. Oh. hi everyone, it's so good to be here. Um, it's quite amazing, it's nearly four months since we were here last standing here um, and it kind of feels like ages ago and it also feels like, you know, yesterday um, when you were sending us off to, to the lovely Denmark and it was really amazing as a family we've had such a um, really cool family time, it's, we've had lots of adventures, we've done lots of fun things and that's been really cool And um, and the kids have kind of had a bit of a love-hate relationship with being away, sometimes they loved it but Sometimes they hated it and, um, but that's, you know, true of all sorts of things, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, anyway, um, they mostly loved it. And now looking back, it's pretty cool. And um, being in Denmark, oh, they have this kind of, um, the Danes are very much like me. I fitted in really well in Denmark. Jordan was like a little, um <laughs> He was a bit too loud, and um, like at the supermarket and whatnot, it would be like rah, rah, ra, Chrissy, where's the such and such? And I'm like, Shh, you're talking too loud. And um, but also in Denmark, um, they sell fireworks, like massive fireworks, to Joe public. And um, they also have those little things that are yeah. Nicole can tell you about the fireworks because she did, she purchased some, and um, they have these little. Things that you, th- I don't know, they're little crackers that you throw on the ground and they just explode. And apparently we used to have some in New Zealand, but I don't remember them because obviously they were too dangerous for my parents to buy me. But that's what Jordan was like in Denmark and around Switzerland and around Germany and where we were. He was, he's like one of those little things that you just throw on the ground and he goes bang under under people's feet whereas I was quite um, Danish (laughs) and I didn't really have to do anything to change you know not that we change ourselves but I just slotted right in and it was really cool and they have this um, wonderful concept a cultural concept or a cultural value in Denmark called hygge which roughly translate translates to coziness and um, and so the first day we arrived at our home which again God is amazing how he just sets stuff up. He just went before us and it was really awesome. We can see God's amazing hand in our whole whole trip. But we walked into our home and it was like, where are the lights? There was one light on over the dining table and it was like really dim. And you're like, where are the lights? Where are the lights? And you could see candles all around and candle holders and stuff like that. So we went around lighting all the candles so just so we could have some light It's such an amazing atmosphere, you know, like we we were sort of forced into being a little bit cosy so, um, yeah, so it really was refreshing and it really was relaxing and um, yeah, so, but um, one of the things that you notice about being in sorry, am I taking up too much of your preaching time? (laughs) One thing you notice about Europe is the sheer numbers of people. Europe's (laughs) Europe's Europe's massive, and um, <laughs> and so is Asia, and we went, you know, we, we went through America, we went to Disneyland, the queues are huge, the people, you know, there's masses of people in the States, there's masses of people in Europe, there's, you know, the trucks on the road, it's just truck after truck after truck after truck truck, you know, on the highways, on the autobahn, and it's just incredible, and the thing that I want to leave with you is it just, I don't know, my little thing that I just want to leave with you, I'm not very good with words sometimes, is that God loves people, and we got the opportunity to hear this guy who who just knows about the sheer numbers of people coming to Christ around the world. And so we got the opportunity to hear him speak and stuff like that. And just, you know, we come from New Zealand, and sometimes we don't see what we want to see in terms of salvations and stuff like that. But he knew stuff, and he was telling us about mass numbers of people coming to Christ, big pockets of people on the move because of, you know, people being displaced and refugees and all that kind of stuff but they're coming to Christ every race every religion it's just so cool and um, I don't know if Jordan will share some of those stories with you of some of the ones we heard about you know various people coming from other religions to the Lord but yeah it was just really cool but it's so good to be back it's, you know there's nothing like home and there's nothing like family eh? so yeah anyway back to you I'm done it's good to be back
0: Awesome. Could we could we throw on the house lights, Tim? Is that all right? Yeah, that way I can see people's smiling faces. Uh, and uh, yeah, as Chris was saying, it was a great, just an awesome trip. We we're just so blown away by God's provision, His blessing, uh, and His goodness to us. It was just awesome. And, uh, you know, I would, uh, adding to what Chrissy was saying, I would encourage you, if you get the opportunity to travel or if you, you should do it, uh, and if you haven't, if it doesn't just come to you, you should try and make it work to go somewhere. You don't have to go that far from New Zealand to see the world, uh, to see a bit of the size of things. Thank you, guys. Can we give the music team a hand? Thank you, guys. They're sneaking off now. And uh, it really is awesome. So a- as we are away, we just we went, went to lots of places. We were in Pismo Beach at Equipus Church in California. Uh, which was awesome with Pastor John and Lane Sparrow, and then we were in a, the first town we were in in Denmark was Middlefart, uh, which was awesome. And the funny thing was because they speak English as well, they think it's hilarious too. Um, the, um, the, past, the, the next church I was at, they said, "Oh, you were at Middlefart last week," and I said, "Yes." And they said, "Oh, just so you know, here there's no restriction on the farting," uh, and uh, so that was cool. That was in Denmark. Then we were in a town called in Denmark. Uh, we went to Dissicon in Switzerland, which is a place you've never heard of, but is a giant city. Uh, we uh, Equippers in Zurich with Pastor Dan and Juana Zeltner. Um, that was just awesome too. And then in London, we were at Richmond and Chertsey and another location. No, yeah, that's not Equippers, but good. yeah, and we're in Colchester. Do you know in Colchester there's a great church there? It's the oldest town in England. Uh, it's where Bodicea was based. That's where the castle was. A bit of the castle's still there. Sorry? That's where Humpty Dumpty was. Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. How many people you know what Humpty Dumpty was? How many people think it was an egg? Okay? How many people know that Humpty Dumpty was a cannon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're joking, eh, O. Yeah, he's joking. Yeah, yeah. Humpty Dumpty was a cannon on the wall and it got pushed off the wall by the, by the, uh, during the Civil War by the parliamentarians this is boring you anyway and uh and the king's horses i don't know what the horses were helping but the, they couldn't get humpty back together again uh and so they couldn't use it um so that was cool then we're in alborg in denmark, denmark and Flensburg in germany you know germany's amazing uh, it's a it's a, just a massive massive country um and it's just a giant industrial industrial machine as well and um and in Germany, they have more than one million immigrants from Syria and Iraq um, who have just walked there via a boat ride from Greece, and then they've just literally just walked there. Um, there's a lot in Denmark as well, but they've re- they had closed the borders quite quickly in Denmark because they're very careful about keeping things cozy, um, and they want to make sure they can... They always like to do things well, and Germany's a bit more open. But um, our friend, uh, Simon Hans Simon Powell, pastor of the church in Flensburg, which is just near the Danish border, uh, and in his church, he's seen about 40 or 50 uh, Muslim families come to Christ in the last year or so. And he says they're coming into church, and then they come to church, uh, and they sit there for six months. So they, all of these immigrants that are coming to Jimmy are just going to church. He said there's, there's immigrants in every single church. All of the state churches, the Pentecostal churches, there's immigrant families, and they come into church because they've left their homeland. They're like, okay, what's this place about? Um, And so he says that generally the pattern is they sit there for six months, uh, listening to everything, looking at everything. They're still learning German as well. So they're learning the language of the service and learning what they're saying, all that sort of stuff. And then usually after about six months, they'll make a decision to follow Jesus. So they'll take an opportunity at the end of the service. They'll raise their hand. And then across the next week, or some of them two weeks, so sometimes it's two weeks, sometimes it's one week, they read the Bible. So they'll make a decision, and then they read the Bible. And then they make an appointment with the pastor, with a thousand, and they have 1,055 questions of what they read in the Bible. What does this mean? What does that mean? I read this. What does that mean? And I thought, if you haven't read the Bible yet, between now and two weeks from now, why don't you read it? Uh, and uh, you'll have at least 1,000 questions uh, that you could ask someone about. Make an appointment with Jono uh, and answer this question. But I just want to encourage you, the, you know, the world, the, God is moving throughout the world. There's more people alive than he ever has been before. God's more active in the world than he ever has been before. We know that for a fact because God only. God's working people. God's passion is people. God's heart is people. So if there's more people, God's focus is there. God's moving and God's love is abounding. Amen. We had literally heaps and heaps of time doing what Danish people do best: sitting at home, lighting candles. On Netflix in Denmark, I don't know if you saw on Facebook, I posted it on Netflix in Denmark. One of the popular shows is an is is a fireplace, and there's a few different ones you can choose from, and you just turn your TV on, and it's got a little soundtrack of crackling wood, and, uh, and so we, I did try and watch that a few times, and I probably I got to about minute three, uh, and uh, but in the Bible College dining room they have the fireplace, the fireplace goes all the time, they have a TV fireplace. Going all the time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's funny, though. Have you ever, anyone been in a place with a TV fireplace? Okay. It's funny because you can feel it warming you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. You do, as you walk past it, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. It must be just your brain imagining there's a fire. I feel warm. Yeah. Uh, It's all psychology. Everything's psychology, says Durgal, the psychologist. Um, And, you know, um, one thing we learned for sure is that, that we live in a great city. We really do live in a great city. One of the thoughts I had, because you know, we were exploring this new city and uh, in Kolding in Denmark, and um, I said to Chrissy one day, do you know, if someone came to Wellington on a sabbatical, they'd be doing just what we're doing. They'd be dro- looking around, going, "Wow, isn't this amazing? Wow, look at that, isn't it amazing? Uh, you know," and they'd be like, "What a lovely house these people live in," because we would have left it tidy. Uh, do you know what I mean? And uh, I just thought, you know, sometimes we can't, sometimes we can forget to appreciate where we are. Uh, And I think we do live in a great city. We live in a great nation. You can accidentally change. You can just quietly change the prime minister in a week and a half. Uh, And nobody dies. No one even said anything particularly cross. Uh, And I just think that's a great, (laughs) in some ways, that's a great thing. Um, And, you know, we, we are part of a great church. Have a look around. This is a great grunt bunch of people. We've visited a whole lot of other churches, and this is actually a pretty good example of a church. There are some we went to that are worse. Some are better. Uh, but have a look around. This is a great bunch of people. There's people here who love you. There's people here who, even if you don't know them, they'll pray for you. They'll believe with you for God's best in your life. Amen. We're also, we are also part of a great movement of churches. Whether just a a significant history and and heritage, but also a passionate view for the future. Uh, And I just think think we should be excited about who we are and where we are. Do you know, I learned something about church growth as well, did you know? Everywhere in the world, following Jesus is hard work. Everywhere in the world. It's not harder here than anywhere else, and it's not easier here than anywhere else. Everywhere in the world, following Jesus takes faith, it takes passion, it takes vision, and it takes a, a, a community around you to support you in the journey, right? Everywhere in the world. And, you know, we learned this thing about church growth, me and Chrissy, in all the churches we went to, because some were pumping and growing, like the church in Flinsburg. Uh, and, and some were not. Uh, and, they, you know, we only knew that from talking to the pastors, so I'm not, we're not making a judgment. That's what they say. Oh, this is where we're at. This is the season we're at. Do uh, you know, churches grow, and then by extension, the kingdom of God is established in the city in greater measure when people bring their friends to church. And that's the simple recipe. That when we have a heart, like John was saying either in the prayer meeting or maybe he said it during the service, that when we have a heart for others, when we're praying for others, when we're inviting them into a relationship with Jesus, well, then we know for sure, don't we, that the kingdom of God has been extended. Amen? Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles and a notebook, grab both of those out. Uh, I do have a message that I want to preach a, a, in a bit of a series. It's probably going to be three weeks. I don't know exactly uh, how many weeks I've got before. Um, I haven't looked. Uh, looked at John's. John has got a plan for the next couple of months, and I, not a hundred, when I was preparing, I wasn't 100% sure. But I think I'll do three weeks. Uh, talking about a, just a real simple idea. Is that all right to get us set up for the year? Um, and, uh, and we'll see. If it's no good, there'll be a different series next week, so um, we'll be okay. Uh, very good. Uh, do you know, I was thinking, this, these are my thoughts. Um, in the kingdom of God, there's a lot of do. There's a lot, there's a lot to do. Think about what she, some of the things Jesus said. You know, there's the Great Commission. Let's think about the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, teach them everything I've commanded you, and I'm with you always. That's the Great Commission, Jesus said. There's a lot to do there. Like, all the world, it's it's like, let's make the list of villages in the world where we need to preach the gospel. Let's make a list of families that need to hear about Jesus. There's a lot uh, to do. There's the the Great Commission. There's feeding the hungry. Jesus talked about that. Healing the sick. There's the raising the dead thing that needs to be done, right? Let's put that on our to-do list. Raise the dead. Cast out demons, right? Uh, Heal lepers. Uh, Influence society. Usher in the kingdom of God. Then there's things like serving and, and bringing a glass of water. Visiting people in prison. There's lots of things you can do in the kingdom of God. There's lots of things that we're actually commanded to do. There's the hard things like loving one another. Those sorts of things as well that that are expressed in action as well. And then there's leading and serving and giving. And it can be overwhelming, this kingdom of God thing, right? Anyone ever think about it? Has anyone had the of thought, wow, there's so much to do, right? If not, have a chat with with Laura. Uh, about what there is to do, there's a lot to do, right? If we're going to have an impact, if the kingdom of God, if the churches in Wellington are going to have an impact in Wellington, there is some stuff to do, right? Right? If we're going to influence the world as the body of Christ, there's some stuff to do. Imagine, though, you add that to your list of other things, right? So what about being a great parent? So I'm going to be great. I'm going to be a great person in the kingdom of God, and I'm going to be a great parent as well. I know there's a little bit to do there, you know, in terms of being a great parent. What about being a, a fantastic professional in your workplace? I'm going to be a great parent, and I'm going to be a great professional in my workplace. So I'm going to upskill, and I'm going to uh, do, so do professional development, and I'm going to do staff meetings, and I'm going to do emails. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do arriving on time, and I'm gonna do going home late. I'm gonna do extra work in the weekends. There's a lot to do, right? What about university? There's a lot to do. There's less to do. There's less to do than the university students think, but at a university, there's a lot to do. It's hard. Uh, you know, I have a have a chat with Wakash's mum and dad about how hard university is. Actually, congratulations, Wakash. So exciting. And I don't know anyone else gra- finished last year. There might be others who finished last year, but that's a great achievement, do you know. If nothing else, three years focusing, well, three years finishing something is a, such a significant thing. I keep making jokes. I, I don't want to. It is, it is awesome. Yeah. Hey, isn't it awesome? How do you know there's a level of miracle anytime we finish something? Uh, but you know, there's, how do you know that if, you, if you've got the kingdom doing things and then you're going to add. You know, all the other doings that you could do, you could also do being healthy and and exercising and eating right, right? It can get overwhelming. It can get actually a little bit defeating. And you get to the point where actually if I can't do everything, I'm going to do nothing, right? Right? which is why we all tend to be a little bit overweight. We don't bring our friends to church. We don't serve in church. We don't pray as much as we know that we should. We don't drink three liters of water every day. Uh, right? We don't eat protein for breakfast. We don't work out at the gym four times a week. Even though these are on our, our to-do list, either real or imagined, we end up doing nothing, right? Just nod your head slightly on the inside if you know that you've ever been in the place where you've actually thrown your hands in the air and said, well, I'm not doing anything. This was my approach to school certificate. And six form men well, higher school certificate, right? And I want to I want to testify that thirty nine percent in school C is evidence that this is not a good approach, to just throw our hands in the air and say I can't do it. Now I've got an example for you. You've got the amazing Dr. Chev. Come on, Dr. Shev, come and stand down the front here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And we've got another doctor. We've got the amazing Dr. Dougal. Come on, Dr. Dougal. These are two doctors. Look at them. This is the newer model. <laughs> Last spinner in the sunshine, this one. And uh looks better uh generally speaking. Oh each to their own, right? So this is Dr. Dou ever say hello, Dr. Dougal. And this is Dr. nearly Mr. Shav. Right, He's about to become is that right? Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed, Mr. Shav, right? Okay, so let's Let's say Dr. Dougal decides he doesn't like doing psychology anymore, and so he wants to do orthopedic surgery. He's a doctor. What? how hard can it be? I know this is a conversation that Dougal and his workmates probably have had. How hard can it be, right? Why do they get pain Why do they get pain? We're into the real hard work with emotions and they're just dealing with bones, right? But how many people know, we all know, Shav knows that it's actually a slightly different. Case. Now how many people know if Dr. Dougal is just gonna start doing surgery, how many, people, how many people are keen? Oh yeah, I need a hip done. Dr. Dougal, do your cheap deal. Right? Well, what about Dr. Shav? Now, you don't know Shav as well as I do. Man, if Dr. Shav, you turn up for your psychology appointment, there's Dr. Shav. And he says something like this. Just pull yourself together, mate. (laughs) Is that what you would say? Along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And then just a little slap on the face, (laughs) eh? Come on, can we sit down, doctors? Thank you. See... Imagine if you're really good at knitting and you decide, I don't like doing knitting anymore. I'm going to do preserving fruit. <laughs> Similar sort of thing. as my previous example. Oh, I, I do, I'm a badminton player, but I don't like doing badminton anymore. I'm going to do front row forward. <laughs> right, my point is this. If you're going to do differently, you actually have to be something different. Yes, you need to do different. In the kingdom of God, when we open our heart to God and say, Jesus, I want, to, I want to, my life to be about you and about your kingdom, there's a whole lot of different doing that we're called to. We're called to live a different sort of do. But before we can do it, if Dr. Dougal wants to do surgery, he's going to do, he's gonna have to do a whole lot of small do's, like apply for a thing and do exams. Well, let's go back to something I understand. If if you're going to switch from knitting to preserving fruit, you don't just take to the jars with knitting needles. It's not about poking peaches with knitting needles. You're going to have to learn a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of being, and that's going to require. So here's the thing. You can't do different unless you be different, right? And to be different, wait for it, you have to do different. Okay, so it works better on paper because I've got a capital D for the first do and a lowercase d for the second do, right? If you're going to capital D do different things in the big sense, you're going to have to do a whole lot of different things to change your habits and behavior and thinking so that you can capital D do this thing kingdom. Same if you want to, I'm going to do better parenting, right? Do you know what you're actually going to have to be? You're going to have to be a different person. So to be a different person, what are you going to have to do? There's a whole lot of little do things you're going to have to do differently. You're going to have to talk differently. You're going to have to change that little thinking. You're going to have to identify tiny little lies in your mind and your heart about parenting and about the thing, and things you don't even know are there. You're going to have to find those and change those little things so that you can become a different sort of person so that your parenting will change. If you're just going to overlay good parenting and overlay good professionalism and good Christian onto your onto your normal Life and your current habit structures, you're, all you're going to give yourself is frustration and a, probably probably a case of piles as well. If we're going to do the kingdom, if we're going to do purpose, if we're going to do our destiny, if we, if we need to become people. And I, I want to suggest to you this morning that we need to become people of prayer. We actually do. It's like, it's the step one. We actually need to become people of prayer. So, uh, we need to become people of faith. We need to become people of generosity. And we need to become people of power. If we're going to be the kingdom of God in Wellington, we need to be these things. We, don't, we can't just do prayer. We've got to become a people of prayer. We can't just do faith. We've got to be people of faith. We've got to be people of generosity. And we've got to be people of power. So I want to talk this morning about becoming a people of prayer. How many people love to pray for hours and hours because uh, yeah, oh, how many people love the idea of praying more than they do the practice of praying? Uh, the reality for me is I'm a pastor and I find it hard to pray. So I can imagine it's not always an easy thing to do, praying, right? And so I want to talk a little bit about it. The first step in praying, the first idea of praying that you need to understand is number one is prayer is uh, pray, to pray, we need to bring number one. We need to bring praise and thanksgiving. So this is Psalm 100, verse four. Maddie's going to throw it onto the screens for us. It says that we enter His gates with thanksgiving, and we go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. Just leave it up there, Maddie, while we're talking. And this is a this is a this is a song that they used to sing on the way into Jerusalem. And it's a song about how they chose to enter the temple. But it's actually a bigger truth than that. When we praise, when we bring thanksgiving, we aren't walking up the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, right? You might be trying to make your way through a building structure. Uh, you might be able to—we're to at the top of Mount Cook here, which is a pretty impressive mountain, Right? But actually, what is, it, what is it that brings you from a human level and brings you into a heavenly perspective? Now, wouldn't it be great if it was something mystical? You could light some candles, draw star shapes on the floor, sacrifice a chicken. Then people would do it. But because it's so simple, we don't. When we praise God, when we thank Him, we are lifted from the valley to the mountain where He lives. We're lifted from outside of His presence and drawn into His presence. I know this so much in my own personal world. I was thrilled this morning. Something welled up within me that I could clap my hands in church this morning without being the only one clapping. Also, in some places, I could clap my hands and drown out the whole sound system, <laughs> Right? But it's not about volume, but it is about praise that says, come on, let's bring something. Let's let's declare out of our mouth. Let's say, God, you are big. You're powerful. God, you are awesome. You're full of wonder. When we start talking like that, we lift ourselves. Well, no, we don't. We, We never lift ourselves. God lifts us. In, out of the valley into the mountain, out of, from out of His presence into His presence. When we thank God, thank you, God. Thank you for giving me life this morning. Thank you for the opportunities I have today. Thank you, God, for the blessings of great friends and great family. Thank you, God, for the provision of a home that's dry. Thank you, God, for the provision of food to eat. When we thank God, we are brought into His presence. You know, Hebrews says this amazing thing. He says, God resists the proud. Well, I'm not proud. I got an award for my humility. God resists the proud, though, and He gives grace to the humble. Now, if there's nothing more humble, I reckon, than praise and, th- and worship, praise and thanksgiving. When we praise God, we're doing, we're doing two things. We're putting God in His place, and we are vacating it. We are vacating the place that we've normally sit in called King of My Life. We vacate that place and we allow God to sit there, right? When we praise God, when we thank God, we're reminding ourselves and we're reminding God that it wasn't us who provided our house for us. It wasn't us who made great friends with us. Well, of course, I've got great friends. I'm, a, I'm an, uh, a magnetic personality. It's not your magnetic personality, it's the blessing of God that's come upon your life. Amen? When we do that, we are accessing God's grace. So that's number one. We need to bring praise and thanksgiving. On this journey to becoming a people of prayer, we need to do praise and thanksgiving. We need to do it. Now, it's, a, it's, it's something you have to do. Pretty hard to do being a people of prayer, but to become this person of prayer who's influential in the kingdom, number one, praise and thanksgiving are things we just have to do. We have to build these into our life like habits, where we praise God, where we thank God. Amen? With what we, every Sunday, we do praise and thanksgiving. Why do we do praise and thanksgiving every Sunday? Because we're trying to become the people God's calling us to be. Amen? Number two, we need to pray for. We need to pray for our cares and our worries and our needs. Firstly, for ourselves. Cares and worries, and needs. We need to pray. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, maybe you'll throw it up. It says we should cast all of our cares, give all of our worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. We need to think about it. Have you got any worries or cares? No, I'm all right. Do you know what? In a moment when someone says, "You know, what are you worried about? You usually can't think of stuff, right? right? But if someone was to spend a day with you, listening to you, Right? They'd be able to identify the things that you're stressing out about, complaining about, getting angry about. And so sometimes it takes a bit of time to think, well, what do I actually need God to do in my world? But P- Peter says, come on, let's cast all of our worries and our cares on to God because He cares about us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which is my favorite verse in the Bible about prayer. Maddie, do you want to throw that one up? No, we haven't got that one. But it's my favorite verse in the Bible about prayer. So I should be able to remember it. That's it. <laughs> Come on, how people how many people know this verse? Yeah, I hope this is a verse that you that you probably memorize so that next time you're preaching and you can just say it. Don't worry about anything. There's a there's a there's a hint of command in that. It's, it's, it's encouragement more than command, but it's don't worry about anything. How many of you know that that would be a great way to live? There'd be less tense conversations at the dinner table if we did this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So we need to do praise and thanksgiving, and we need to do casting our kids. We need to pray about everything. We need to stop worrying. It says, tell God what you need and then thank Him for all that He's done. Do you know Matthew chapter 6.33, don't throw it up, Matty. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you read the passage, all these things was clothing and food and shelter and height. Somewhere height's in there somewhere. Uh, all these things are added to us. The things that we need are added into our life as we seek the kingdom of God. As we cast our cares, we can throw our worries away, right? We need to do this. First of all, we need to do this for ourselves. We need to make it a habit. We need to make it a discipline. We need to make it a practice in our life that we cast our worries and we cast our cares onto God. We present the things we need. We say, God, this is what we need. And we're thanking you, God, for providing in that area. I need vision or I need purpose or I need direction in my life. These are things we need just the same as food and clothing and shelter and a nice new watch. All those things that we might ask God for, we need to ask God for them, right? We need to present them. We need to build this in as a habit for ourselves. God desperately wants to do great miracles in your life. He wants to, to, to strengthen your faith by working in your world. John Wesley said this amazing thing about God. He says that God doesn't move in the earth other than Through the prayer of faithful people. That's a a paraphrase of his quote. Through faithful prayer. When we pray, God can move. And God chooses to move like that. And it's part of how the universe is organized. That God put man on the earth and he wants to work through man to see God work. And he works through our prayers. Amen. There's a couple of reasons why God wants to to answer my prayers. He wants to answer my prayers when I pray. God, I need provision financially. God wants to answer my prayer. When I pray, God, I need physical healing. God wants to answer my prayer because He loves me and He wants to bless me, right? He also, it's also so that the next time I bump into Jono and Jono says, Oh man, I've just lost my job, I say, Come on, I want to pray with you. And I've got faith now to be a blessing in Jono's situation and I can begin to pray with the same passion I prayed for myself. I can bring that to Jono's issue, right? When I need vision and direction in my life, I can pray and receive that so that I can pray for my unsaved friends, my unsaved family members, and I can pray for them with the same passion. Say, God, speak to them. Reveal your plan. Lord God, reveal salvation to them. Reveal Jesus to them. Give me an opportunity to speak to them. So God wants to bless me, but He also wants to be a blessing through me into the lives of others. So we need to pray for. Everyone say we need to bring, and we need to pray for. We need to pray for ourselves and we need to pray for others, right? Point number three is another pray for. Everyone say, pray for? Everyone say, pray for. It sounds like pray for. It sounds like Italian almost. If you wave your hand as well, it's Italian. Uh, we need to pray for government, rulers, leaders, and other believers. So we need to pray for Wellington, New Zealand, the world, and other churches, right? First uh, Timothy 2, verses, I think it's 1 to 2. Do you want to throw that up, Maddie? I've written 12 to 2, but that would be stupid. It says, I urge you, first of all, so it's a priority, pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. We need to pray for people. It should be a, that's a habit. We pray for people. Rather than just saying, I'll be praying for you, we actually pray for them. You know, how we know it's quite easy to say, I'll be praying for you. What's your name? Uh, anyway, we're praying for people, right? Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives that are marked by godliness and dignity. It's really important from Scripture to pray for government and leadership. Because government and leadership has a big, plays a big part in creating the environment that we live in. Most of us are not aware of what New Zealand's like because we're just here. You know, like like fish. Do you know fish don't know that they're wet? That's just how it is right? And New Zealand's a fantastic country, but we need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for people working in in, in positions of authority, the principal of the school, school teachers that our kids are at. We need to pray for people at at the local government level. We need to pray for people. We need to pray for pastors and leaders in our local church, because for your church to be great, I need to be a better leader, For me to be a better leader, I need your prayers pushing me and backing me and lifting me to what God's called me to do. Now, your future's not determined by mine, but we together, we're following Jesus. And the people that lead have got to... God uses that shape or that flow to create a space for other people's blessing. And we can have an influence in Wellington without even leaving our living room as we pray for government, as we pray for leaders, as we pray for our pastors of all the churches in Wellington, as we pray for all of the churches in Wellington, that God will be working and blessing and moving. Amen. Ephesians 6.13 says that we should stay alert and be persistent in, ev- in our prayers. Stay alert and be persistent in our prayers, right, for all believers everywhere. For who? For all believers everywhere. We need to be persistently praying for believers. Do you know who the most important believers for you to be praying for? These ones. Because these are the ones you know. You could pray generally for believers, but you know these believers, you know. So you could be praying for Duncan's eye. If you don't know, Duncan needs prayer for his eye. You can be praying for my blood pressure. Sitting around eating Danishes wasn't good for my blood pressure, it's good for my emotional well being. Right? You can pray for people in church who you know need work, or you can just pray for people that come to your mind persistently. That's what the Bible says. Come on, let's be alert. Let's be persistent in our prayers for all believers everywhere. Uh, In in small groups, e-groups will be starting in February this year. Come on, in our small groups, let's pray for each other. It's probably the highlight of our small group. At the end of the group, is is praying for each other. Other, you know, cups of tea and biscuits are good as well. But actually, it's something that we do every time, and it actually is, is a really great way to finish the group there. Hey, what you, share what you need, and let's pray for each other. Amen? So we need to bring praise and thanksgiving. We need to pray for our cares and our worries for ourselves and others. We need to pray for government, rulers, and leaders. Um, and the Bible says we should pray in tongues. So Ephesians, Ephesians 6.13, the first part of that, but also 1 Corinthians 14.4. Maddie, do you want to throw that up? It talks about, in First Corinthians, it talks about the difference between prophecy and praying in tongues. And prophecy is where you speak to somebody else a word that God uses your words to be a blessing to them. And that might be a, thus saith the Lord, you might need to grow your hair long and a beard, you might need a stick. Uh, but those are actually optional. They're not the most important part of it. The most important part of it is that you say something to someone else that's a blessing, and God uses your words to bless them. And when we pray in tongues, which some of us do, some of us don't, but when we pray in tongues, the Bible says that we're strengthened personally. Uh, and, and somebody who speaks prophecies speaks strength to the church, right? So when we pray in tongues, we strength, it's, the Bible says we, our spirit is praying and that we are edified. We're made bigger on the inside. Praying in tongues is not the most important thing in the whole wide world, Right? But it's a really important way for, that I've found in my life to grow the inside of me is by praying in tongues. It edifies and it builds me up. Point number five, which I thought wasn't here, but it is. We pray because God loves us. Not because we have to. It's because He loves us. It's actually a conversation. Do you know God wants to speak back to us? In, in a minute, I've, I want to teach you a 10-minute prayer blast. Is that all right? It's only eight minutes long there. Because if you're going to pray for 10 minutes, there needs to be space for God to speak, God to talk to us, God to bring a feeling of encouragement, a sense of His presence, or even some words or scripture that can be a blessing to us. But God loves us. It, it remains the central truth of the whole Bible that God loves people. He loves people so much that He sent Jesus to die in our place. It's significant love. You know, I, I was reading about the word agape, which is a New Testament word for God's love. And you know, the word agape doesn't really exist in ancient Greek. It was a new word that they made up to talk about how God loves. I like that because God's love doesn't actually fit into human words. It's a love that's unconditional. that's un, unrequ- it, it, it never gives up. It never, it, it, Paul describes it in First Corinthians 13. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It, it doesn't offend. It doesn't hold back. It, it, it blesses. And God loves us so much. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never opened your heart to the love of God. Maybe you've never taken an opportunity to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior. Do you know, a lifestyle of prayer is going to change the world. And as a church, Crippence Church in Wellington, we are becoming people of prayer in 2017. But it's not because... We want to change the world is because we love Jesus, because He loved us. He set us free. He's blessed us with His presence, with His love, and with His goodness. Amen. You know, but in Ephesians chapter 2 3, it says that we were objects of God's wrath, but in Christ, we become objects of His mercy. So without Jesus working on our behalf, working on my behalf, working on your behalf, then all we are is objects of God's wrath. But in Christ, we become objects of His mercy, which is extended to us. Let's pray just a second for people to want to respond to Jesus. Maybe close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here this morning, if you've never taken the opportunity to open your heart to God, or perhaps you have, but maybe it was a long time ago, and for whatever reason, maybe you've walked away from God, I'd love to lead us all in a prayer, and you can pray the prayer too with everybody else, where we can open our heart to God and choose to follow Him. If you're here this morning and you want to make the decision, all I'm going to ask you to do is just shoot your hand up. Look up, catch my eye, give me a wave and say, yeah, that's me. I want to decide this morning to follow Jesus. I'm going to invite Him into my life, either for the very first time or perhaps as a recommitment of your life to follow in Jesus. If that's you, just shoot your hand up, catch my eye. I haven't seen anyone's hand yet. Just make it real clear for me if you are wanting to make that decision this morning, and then we're going to pray. Awesome. I haven't seen anybody's hand yet, but why don't we pray? Should we pray? I thought, man, we can't preach about praying and then not pray. Uh, So I've tried to preach really quickly. Did you notice that? You did? Yeah, good. Uh, And so we could do it. So why don't you stand your feet? This is how I reckon we should do it. I'm suggesting, how many people reckon you could set aside 10 minutes to pray? You you reckon? We've done it in our service exactly 10 minutes till half past. So we've set aside 10 minutes. We're going to pray now. Is that all right? We'll do our prayer for the day now. We'll get, it, get the homework done in class. Brilliant. And then how many people could set aside 10 minutes every day? How many people are more realistic and you're like, five minutes? Yeah, yeah, more five minutes. How many of are my five-minute people? Okay, less than five minutes, it still counts in heaven, but I haven't got a plan for you, right? Okay, you have to make your own 35-second prayer plan. Okay, so this is the 10-minute prayer plan. Number one, you praise God for one minute. So talk about how great God is for one whole minute, right? We, we're going to have to do the five-minute prayer plan. Because, um, anyway, we, we thank God for one minute. I thank you for, I thank you for, I thank you for, I thank you for, I thank you for. Now, the first three things you thank God for, you just have to think up, and then God, begin get flow, and, uh, and thankfulness rises up. Then we're going to pray for ourselves for one minute, for our cares, for our needs, our worries. We're going to pray for purpose, and we're going to pray for strength. Is that all right? Then for one minute, we're going to pray for other people. Right? We're going to pray those same things. Pray for the things other people are worried about. Pray for purpose, vision for them. Is that cool? Then we're going to pray for government. No, we're going to pray for the church first. We're going to pray for the ministries of the church and the leaders of the church. That's our church and the church. Okay? Both those groups. Then we're going to pray for the government in Wellington, New Zealand, and the world. Then we're going to thank God for a minute. And then we're going to praise God for a minute. That's our 10-minute prayer plan. Do you know what the five-minute prayer plan is? You just do the same thing, but for 30 seconds each. It's amazing. I've had four months to think of this. No, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Are you ready to pray? You can pray with someone else, or you can pray Solomir. Uh, uh, you can do it however you want. And I'll just count you out the 30 seconds. is. Okay, we're going to start on the half minute. Don't start yet. Some people that like, want to get more praise in, so they're better Christians than everyone else. Okay, let's praise God for 30 seconds. God, we thank you for your goodness. You God, we praise you that you are a God of unrelenting love. Lord, you are a God of unquestionable power. God, we praise you, God. King of kings and Lord of Lords. You alone are worthy of our praise, Lord Jesus. You alone are worthy of, of our lives, of our service, of our vision. Of Alone, God, are worthy. You alone are great. You are king above all kings. Come on, let's thank God for 30 seconds. God, we thank you. Wherever I go, you're with me, God. I thank you for your your presence in my life. Come on let's pray right pray for yourself come on what is it you need from god what what are you worried about right now god we cast our cares upon you lord we remember that you care for us lord god i thank you lord God, that you have my health in your hands lord i thank you lord that you have my future in your hands lord i thank you god you have lord my life in your hands we thank you jesus Lord God, that You are at work in my world, I can trust You. Lord God, I pray for vision and passion for this year. Come on, pray for somebody else now. Come on, who's in your world that you can pray for? Who care? Who do you? Who do we need to pray for? Come on, what are people worried about? Come on, what are people stressing out about? Lord, we pray right now for Duncan's eyes. Lord God, we pray for your, your healing power to impact him. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord God, that his vision would be restored. Lord God, that, that even though God the trip to the specialist, Lord God, would bring answers. Lord God, either by the by medicine or by a miracle, Lord God, we just pray you would work. Lord God, your power would be revealed. We pray for provision. We pray for vision. Lord God, for friends and for family. Come on, let's pray for our church. God, let's pray for the kids' leaders. Someone, why don't you pray for the music team? Uh, but let's, let's pray for the guy, the youth going off to Summer revolution next week or the week after. Now, Lord God, we pray your blessing on the Goodness Church, Wellington. Lord, we pray for the leaders. Lord God, everyone serving. Lord, I pray, Lord God, we'd all be rewarded. Lord God, with your presence in greater and greater measure, your goodness to us. Can we pray for our government? Let's pray. I'm going to pass the microphone to the amazing Rachel. She's going to lead us for 30 seconds. You've only got 20 seconds left. Lord,
1: we just lift up our government to you, Father. We
0: lift up Bill English and we just. Your heart, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that you would give him strategies and um, strategies and plans, and Lord, that you would be with the cabinet ministers as they're making their decisions and leading their portfolios, Father, but that all of these things would be according to your will that would bring heaven to earth, Father God. We just declare your mighty power over our government, Father. We pray also for the local government of Wellington, Lord. We just pray, Father, that, um, that you would be with the leaders of the Wellington City Council, Father, and the greater Wellington region, Lord, that they would make wise decisions, Lord, that would. Um, Create an environment in a city that would um, have a heart for its people, Father, and a heart for its for your environment and for your planet, Father. But again, that your will would be
1: here and done in Wellington, Father.
0: Amen. You need a whole extra 30 seconds, Rachel. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, we need to thank God. Come on, let's thank God. Let's praise Him. And then we're going to finish with a song as well. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace.